0: listening to Songbones Podcast, where we get to the real and go to the deep with grassroots singer-songwriters. I'm Michelle McAfee. I ran into Corey Quinn and Mickey Ryan one night at our neighborhood Taqueria, Cosina 7, where they played an impromptu show. It was the first time I'd ever heard Corey's music. And you know how sometimes you go to a show with no expectations other than to hear some tunes, but instead, you're transported to an alternative universe and leave walking on clouds? That's what happened when I heard Corey and Mickey play. The next day, I invited them over to my cabin, set a microphone up in front of them, and asked, how did you two meet?
1: He picked me up off the side of the road one time. <laughs> That's a fun story. That's right. Corey used to do a lot of gigs uh, without a car and um, hitchhiking to gigs and stuff and we had done some gigs before, so this is probably after we met, but I was telling one of our friends that was in the in the van van with us about this friend of mine who hitchhikes around to gigs and and um, we were leaving Hood River going to Moscow, Idaho. And we were talking about Corey and there he was on the side of the road hitchhiking to his gig. So we picked him up and took him to Pendleton and then we went to Idaho after that and I think he bought us a pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Made you late for your gig. Vert yeah. wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> but, you know. but you made
0: the gig, right? Yeah. That's all that counts. We both made our
2: gigs. Well, yeah. um, from my perspective, I just saw this green van with its lights flashing, and it had changed lanes. And Mickey was like making a beeline towards me. I thought he was gonna like hit me because he had like changed lanes so quickly, and then all of a sudden he's just like, <laughs> you know, everybody's just like out the window pointing at me, like, "Oh my god!" And then like. Stepped on the brakes, but I think that's kind of solidified a lot of uh, just our time together. That
1: story in particular. Corey would do a lot of touring with us, with with my old bluegrass band, Left Coast Country, and he Corey would come on tour with us and open, and we'd do collaboration sets and have like a a full night of Corey songs and my bluegrass band songs, and we just make it make it work. <laughs>
0: two things that really stood out to me about Cory's songs, the way he uses language and words, and the subjects and issues he writes about. He's not afraid to dive deep into edgy waters with poetry at the helm.
2: This is a new one, it's about um, suicide awareness In uh, not so much prevention, but um, just uh, if you feel like you need to ask somebody a question like, how are you doing today? don't hesitate so
3: No dice, lift to shake. With the glimmer in his eye is the devil's way. In the shimmer of his silver's the prize of the devil's maze. And he sold my soul on an auction day. They wouldn't have to move the stage I was a fool Didn't know the rules And I'm paying the price With my life I lost the dude Betwixt the kind crime Just ten-foot rope and a twelve-inch knife And ten-foot rope roll live behind a dream of tattered ends Like bursting seems not fit to mend while breathing in as the air gets dense, like losing touch when your sight grows tense with the glimmer in his eye and the darkness intends to shroud you in nothing yet this noose pretends. Way to my vices, my virtues defend me against the tyranny of judgments. I was a fool, didn't know the rules. Now I'm paying the price with my life. Lost to do betwixt kind and crew. Ten foot rope and a twelve inch knife. Just ten
0: Afraid to go in deep to some subject matter that you don't hear a lot of musicians want to touch. Where does that inspiration come from? Like, what is it that moves you to put those things into words and put them in a song and move them forward in the world?
2: Yeah, um, it's just my internal monologue, really. Because if I'm not putting it on paper, I'm probably going crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's like I got to put it down someplace, you know. And it comes through conversations, it comes through process, like, over time, dialogue with friends, um, experiences, just like all kinds of things. And they always inform whatever it is I'm working on at the moment. I tend to be a little obsessive, I think, about songs when I'm working on them. So, it's like, if I'm working on that song, my conversations tend to, like, inform that, you know, because I'm trying to get somebody else's perspective on this subject and I don't know I also feel like maybe nowadays we're we are scared to touch things that Truly affect everybody daily Mm -hmm. and we just rather live in denial most of the time Um, But I don't know if that's why I put it down on paper. That's why I write about it, but Mm -hmm. It's just something I noticed that I think needs a little bit of change I actually th- didn't even get into music all that much, um, playing music and and writing until later in high school, in college. But music I was always a background, so it's like I was in the church choir, played piano, and then got away from it, and then came back. So, but um, like any art or any craft, like you just got to spend time with it. So,
0: I know you guys just came off of a string of shows, right? Where were you?
1: We. Went to Le Grand, mm-hmm. and played at the ski resort as well. It's kind of a little weekend uh, getaway sort of deal. For a day. <laughs> we went out for the day. Maybe it felt like a weekend.
2: De- was, There's was a lot of life that was lived in that 24 hours.
0: Oh, do tell.
2: Well, it's just like, Mickey was playing a show the night before. We were hanging out with his buddy. And then that guy, like we, sp- we played wiffle ball in his house until like 4 o'clock in the morning. It was pretty wild. And then we had to be up at like 8 o'clock in the morning to make the early gig, because the early gig was, what was that? We had to be 2 there at 2.30. Yeah. And we were we were making great time, and we got like an hour from our destination, and the, they had closed the pass. And so we had to go an hour and a half, two hours out of our way. We made it to the gig at like 10 minutes after 2.30, and set up real quick. and and they
0: closed the pass because big, of that big snow, right? yeah, the that big snow well, yeah, the big
2: snow. yeah, the big snowstorm, and there was a truck on fire on top of the dead man's pass. And then we had to go through Tollgate and Tollgate had like six inch snowpack on the roads. and like it was there's there's some dicey moments, but it, I mean, it was it's tour, I don't know, it's just being on the road. so yeah,
1: but.
0: Have you ever mm-hmm. been skunked? Like, have you ever not made it? To yeah. gig.
1: one time we were playing um in Fr- friday Harbor in san juan islands with with one of my bands and we were going to miss that we had to switch ferries and we were going to miss it and we talked to the captain and they pulled the ferry back in to help us make our gig so that was probably one of the coolest moments that we had where the this huge boat turned around for us which Whoa. apparently never happens but cool it was pretty neat
0: Man, the show must go on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and
2: it seems like the you know people are willing to do stuff like that to make sure. I mean, it's those little moments in a musicians' lives that just kind of like they're touchstones. You know, you look back at that, and it's like you're always gonna have that. And you just be like, "Whoa, you know, even if that gig was really shitty, at least I got the the story that the captain turned the boat around to like." make sure we can make it there and like, totally. yeah. and it just um and it keeps been,
1: you going yeah and we've been doing it for so long now too kind of going on tour especially like eastern oregon and idaho is like going to see our friends and our family and we know all the bartenders and bar owners and um we go know, if, if we were yeah. ever going to be later couldn't make it it wouldn't ruin they'd keep the beer on ice yeah you yeah know, wouldn't ruin anything they know we want to be there, but sometimes they close the highway. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: right on. <laughs> Which has happened a lot this winter yep. in Oregon. Most definitely. Yeah, it's been crazy. Do you guys have another song?
1: Oh, sure. Um, Dead Man's or something. Oh, that yeah. might be can. a little more political. Yeah. Yeah, I've been playing. We, Corey and I, like we said, we've been playing together for a long time. And I, as his, you know, hired gun. Carnival Barker you know, soloist or whatever that accompanist, you know, I I get to know his songs like through through the dobro and um, I kind of figure out what I'm going to do. And then sometimes it's even years later, I'll actually listen to the words. <laughs> 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 and then I'm like, hey, you know, is that song about this political issue or that, you know, I finally like decoded in my mind and that I think that's really one of the things that i always inspires me about Corey's music is that it's so poetically encoded that you really have to listen you know like your songs aren't about you and your ex girlfriends well some of them always are but um, you know you you can encode you know poetically like these modern hot-button issues you know that that are in in politics and in, in our culture and but it's encoded through these characters and through you know these fictional characters you know so this song's called (laughs) this song's called dead man's son but I call it the walmart song (laughs) because it's 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 about um yeah you know like big business and and the minimum wage and and the bottom line yeah (laughs)
3: gathered in upon my door. Came a horrible din. You know my work ain't done. Yes, I'm better off. till my master is a dead man's son. them there was my brother, walked the county from his home in the pouring down rain, and all alone, oh, no, work ain't done. Yes, I'm better off too. So oh, you know my work ain't done. Yes, I'm better off. To my master is a dead man.
0: According to Google, are the inspirational goddesses of literature, science, and the arts in ancient Greek religion and mythology. They are considered the source of the knowledge embodied in the poetry, songs and myths that were related orally for centuries in those ancient cultures. And I think the Greeks were on to something. And you're a teacher too, right? Yeah
2: mm-hmm. what do you teach? I teach Latin.
0: How did you get into Latin?
2: Um, that's a long story, <laughs> but um, when I was a kid, I went to a school that offered it and I, I took it and then went to the high school and they offered it and I took it and then went to a college and they offered it and I took that as well and just kind of, uh, I don't know, it's always haunted me. It's just followed me around, it won't let me go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and just, yeah.
0: Does it inform but, your songwriting in any way?
2: Um, I think in terms of maybe some vocabulary, in terms of like poetic structures and stuff, um, but I try to... It has to inform, it just has to influence me in some way. It's not intentional. I don't, I don't go out of my way to like, I'm gonna write a song based on, you know, I don't know, Pindar, you know, I'm not gonna do that, like that's not my intention, I wanna write songs for myself, Mm -hmm. but um, at a certain point, you are you are what you eat, right? So it's like it's coming through me at some point, but I'm not intentionally trying to create something mm-hmm. off of it, you know. Right on. So,
0: what do you think makes a great song?
2: Um, man, I think there's um there's a um I think it really takes somebody who it goes back to what you're saying earlier about being received. You, could, you as the performer, need to receive it as well, and so it's like, like a conduit, like, like how they would invoke the muses. You know, it's like, if you allow yourself to just be open and free and be a conduit, it creates, it takes away the, the, the fourth wall. You know, like it creates this situation where it can be absorbed by everybody who's surrounded by it, and it's just speaking through you. And I think. A great song. Any song can be a great song if it's, if it's respected, you know, in a way that's uh, can be received by the performer and by anybody else who mm-hmm. happens to be listening to it. Which could also be the person performing it. They can be by themselves. You know, they have to be in the same mindset.
0: So, mm-hmm. so you talked about the muses, and yeah. um, I'm a big fan of the muse. <laughs> like I, I in my mind sometimes I can envision you know, or I've created a character for my muse. And um, I I write about it a lot in different uh, prose stories that I do. So what is your relationship to the muses? You said it in plural. Yeah. Where does it come from?
2: Well, I think that that's something that the like the Greeks and ancient Mediterranean cultures really had like a handle on the fact that we are not rational beings. And we don't know where those things come from. And so, they had to create that in their mythology in order to explain it. Because there was no explaining why, you know, somebody would create Homer's Odyssey. Except just for the sake of like, documenting history. But there's more, way more in that about who the, the Greek culture is, as an entire culture, just on that one piece of work. So they would invoke the muses in order to basically appease the gods, you know, to say, Hey, listen, we're going to get a little crazy right now, but we're going to pay homage to, to the muses. And that will, that gives us grace, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like we're allowed to be a little like out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of against the God's wills Mm -hmm. in order to facilitate art and culture and all that stuff. But that's just my interpretation.
0: How do you invoke your muses? Um, or do you... Every
2: process is different. It just goes back to the same thing. It's like yeah. every song lives in its own place and time. And I think just tying back into what makes a great song is trying to recreate, but also accept the new reality, but recreate the reality that it was created in the first place, mm-hmm. but also accepting the new circumstances and trying to work within them as well. Mm-hmm. So. I think all that stuff just kind of plays off each other.
0: Mm-hmm. If I go looking for the muse, I it just doesn't happen. You know, it's like for me, it, it's not something that I can actually make happen. And then the times when I when I don't have time to sit down and write a song, and I've got too much going on, I get this knock on the door. Yeah, and then the muse barges in and is like, "Sit down and pick up your guitar. We got work to do right now." Yeah. And I mean, that's just my process, but every artist that I talk to, there is this mystique and this mystery around that and around how it happens. And it's a little bit different for everybody, but it's basically not, you know, it's like this unexplainable thing that happens when the songs move through us. And I have great reverence for that.
2: And there's, I mean, there's something to be said for like sitting down and writing every day. I mean, that's a different kind of it's a different discipline you know Um, I think that's really great to get stuff out there and get ideas out there so you can really dig into subconscious things Um, but it depends on what you know what what you're going for you know and like each song is different so for me if it's it has to be treated and I guess like manicured differently each one so Mm -hmm. if it dictates I need to sit down and work out all the stuff and then then that's what i'll have to do but right on just kind of wait for the song to start speaking to you you know that's just my approach
0: Mm -hmm. and so one question that i ask everybody i interview is why do you do this
2: i don't know how i would live without doing it i think it's just become such a part and i think mickey can can attest to that it's just it's just Sometimes you leave home without it, but it is a part of you, you know. Mm-hmm. I go, I go to gigs sometimes, and I forget my guitar at home. It happens, oh, no. but it's still with me, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it happens, but um I don't know. It just—you
0: seriously left your guitar at home?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: Did you do the gig acapella? No, because I mean, you could, I a, man. You have the friend, voice for it. I had a so.
2: friend come yeah, bring I a guitar. A guitar to play yeah. somewhere. Whoa! But it was just one of those bonehead. It's just bonehead moments, <laughs> and so now I'm always reminded politely. Do you have your guitar with you. <laughs> your guitar. <laughs> Did you pack your guitar? It's like, yep, okay, got it.
0: <laughs> Check.
2: Yep. <laughs> right on. Never live that down. No. Yep, but um, I don't know. It's just music has always been a part of my life, and I know it's been a part of Mickey's life. Or,
1: and
0: why do you do it, Mickey?
1: I don't know. I guess. Even before I was writing a lot of songs and stuff, we would just, in college, and we would just play music. Well, just because we liked doing it, but we started getting paid at it too, which was... But yeah, I don't know, I think it's just... I guess for me, I just... The worst thing I could do with my life is just be the regular person with a regular job. I just never wanted that. And I don't know, just the... Crews I was running around with. It was just what we did. We just sit around and pick, and never thought it would be a job, but just kind of ended up like that. Well, surviving, surviving. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, just the game of Survivor,
2: really.
0: It really is. Just Too like a,
2: any other thing, yeah. as long as you
1: stick around long enough, you're like <laughs> you're, you'll get better. And, and I, was, I don't know. I'm kind of more of a bluegrass person than core is too but I just kind of always feel like an obligation to like preserve old folk music and bluegrass and keep it relevant you know and and show it to people especially dobro because not a lot of people really even know what a dobro is and um, I just feel like my life is like traveling around and informing people of you know what they never knew about you know that I kind of devoted my life to so you know it's just sort of um, never wanting the music to go extinct I guess and putting you know your own personal stamp on the evolution of music you know feeling like you're part of the grand scheme I guess the the timeline
0: you Mm -hmm. know it's a worthy cause (laughs) that's worth living for (laughs) I like it yeah, I wanted to ask this question too because I'm I'm fascinated with different people's experience touring. And what is your favorite thing about touring? What do you love about touring?
2: Getting picked up by the side of the road by your buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, but those stories are like that's what it comes down. Like those are the things that keep you going back on the road because that's like the magic of the of it is like the I don't know the unexpected adventures that happen and. And then the long slogs and the five set grinders and like, you know, you just, you, uh, you can, you can manage that stuff because there's a bigger purpose. And that's like creating community with your, with your buddies and creating music and, um, helping each other out, just being there for each other. I think Mickey, you mentioned something yesterday too about like how, you know, some place you get, sometimes you get called the places just because you need to be there for somebody and you don't know why but you get called to maybe go do gigs just because people need to hear the music because they're having a
1: shite of a day. Yeah, almost like being a therapist, traveling therapist Yeah mm-hmm. something. You know.
0: It's good work
1: But also
2: enablers <laughs> We enable a lot of people But, you know, it's part of the, you know part of the bacchanalia you know it's just it's accepting a certain amount of the that's why you pay homage right you know and you always give thanks and you're always grateful for everything you got so
0: you got another song?
2: Uh, sure, um, Annabelle? yeah <laughs>
3: Miss from love like this, and what you gonna dream when our evening days? Hey, Anna believe my fair lady, hey, I've been told lots of things go astray. Like our loving way the Hell, I ain't pleasing And there's no reason Why I I should be waiting for you Just to tell me true. truth What you gonna guess when I lose my what you gonna hold with my hands at bay? What is there to miss from a love like this? And what you gonna dream when our evening fades? go astray like our loving way then by the dozen some the roses, some of nothing are rapping at your door tapping at your door to get in I was one of them What you gonna kiss when I close my lips? What you gonna hold with my hands at bay? And what is there to miss from a love like this? What you gonna dream when our evening fades?
0: You guys so much yeah, thanks for, for stopping us. by. Yeah, yeah this was you, really uh, fun. And I'm so stoked to know about your music right, now. Right.
1: Nice <laughs> so, yeah, thanks this is Corey
0: Quinn us. and Mickey Ryan. Yeah, and, thanks, uh, Michelle. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us and listening to episode three of Songbones Podcast. Check out the spotlight page at songbones.com for more on Corey Quinn. And don't forget to sign on to our newsletter so you don't miss a monthly podcast release or any Songbones tidbits. You can also subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you next month.